Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome, Gladiators, to another episode of The Sword and Shield. I am Chief Master Sergeant Christopher Howard, 960th Cyber Operations Group Superintendent, and today with me I have... Hey, this is Lieutenant Colonel Justin Kinoff, the commander of the 53rd Network Operations Squadron, and also Senior Master Sergeant Thomas Togill, the Operations Superintendent for the 53rd NOPS. Awesome. Welcome, gentlemen. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat with me and to kind of inform... Uh, our gladiators out there, a little bit about uh, you and uh, your unit. So uh, what uh, what does your unit do? Well, I would say that we're very similar to the uh, 561st uh, Network Operations Squadron, the 83rd Network Operations Squadron, and that we more or less maintain a lot of the uh, infrastructure that the Air Force Network rides on. So, for instance, we have about uh, somewhere in the realm of 900 network devices and services that we maintain, and uh, more or less stuff like Active Directory, email, things of that nature. So, all the core services that you would have or use on the Air Force network, that's really what we do. Okay. Uh, I would say that our uh, user base is about 945,000 network and separate users, and that encompasses about 125 bases, and somewhere in the realm, of 386 geographically separated. So we have a we have a pretty broad, diverse user base and responsibility. Yeah, that seems like a huge, uh, you know, huge footprint out there um, and, and a large uh, load for a unit. How do you take care of that? How, what AFSCs uh, does your unit have to, to manage all of those tasks? So with those different tasks, we have uh, one Bravo 4s. We have different realms of the 3DOs and the 3D1s. Um, that has our operator staffs, our 17 Sierras and 17 Deltas that lead the way uh, as both the DO, ADO, commander, and other flight uh, officers as well. And then we obviously cannot do any of that without our admin support uh, with our three Fox trots. Awesome. Yeah, it's a unique uh, unique blend uh, compared to most units, right? What is a... What does a day in the life look like in your unit? So if I was a brand new airman to your unit, what would I see come UTA? Well, I would say it's probably a lot of churn because you just never know what you're going to experience whenever you walk in. Most of it is in a typical UTA is administrative. You're taking care of routine administrative tasks, making sure that your ancillary training is up to date, and just ensuring that you're ready to go and able to perform the mission. Now, we do have most of our positions are... Uh, are certified mission ready positions. So we have a pretty lengthy uh, and involved uh, certification process folks go through for becoming certified on the uh, on the uh, weapon system itself. Uh, we have a couple of different positions, a couple of different flights folks can go into, and they vary from you know, working on the, uh, well, just basically taking care of the infrastructure devices to doing scanning, to ensuring that uh, the weapon system itself was protected and then reaching out to more or less look at all those other devices, maintain the health of the network and ensuring they're protected as well. 
uh, of course, we also take care of the orders that come out from the 616th Operations Center and take care of those orders as well, more or less doing whatever they direct us to do in relation to defense and operation of the network. Okay. So, gotcha. Senior Master Markoga, did you want to include anything in there? Yes, sir. I think you covered it all. Oh, so with that said, if uh, I'm like non-prior or if I'm a cross trainee, what's that timeline look like for me to be qualified going from, you know, unqualified to fully qualified and operating on your weapon system? So Chief, uh, that's, uh, that's an excellent question, uh, especially as a non as a non-prior, obviously going through basic training and then uh, the tech school uh, time frame. All depending upon which AFSC the, the tech school uh, dates range. Uh, the dates are a bit different, but after after completing the tech school, there are two different courses uh, depending upon what operating position uh, an individual actually sits in. The first course that an individual has to take is a two week uh, course, and that just gives an overview of the weapon system itself. Mm-hmm. And then after completing that, a go they roll over into their a specific operator position, which is known as uh, an IQT, which is the initial qualification training. After completing IQT and actually setting foot within the unit, then we start working with our uh, chief of training and we get them set set up with MQT, which is mission qualified uh, training. And again, depending upon the operator position that an individual will do, that could be a two-week course as well, but you get that hands-on experience uh, with the weapon system. Uh, we do have the opportunities at time to bring individuals out on a what's known as a prog tour to actually get them completely certified, uh, and that brings them up to the level so that they actually can sit for a, an evaluation at the very end to completely be uh, mission-ready. And that usually takes um, it's 160, 169 days um, on on an active status, having individuals actually learn more and work on uh, on the weapon system. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. So that initial commitment is is, is pretty significant, but uh, there's definitely some payoff, right? Do you guys have any specified uh, certificates that you guys get, like Sec Plus or CISSP, anything like that, by chance? I think as a result of the school that folks go to, again, depending on the school that they attend, you know, I know for our, our 3Ds and especially our one Bravos, they will get a security plus certificate out of the, out of their text. So that is a industry certification. It's, uh, I think CompT is charging around 250 for that last time that I checked and it's internationally recognized as a security certification. So. It's easily transferable out to the civilian community, and if anybody wanted to get a job, this is an excellent opportunity for, say, like a first-term airman to come in, get trained, get some experience on working with actual network equipment in a very dynamic environment, and then taking that experience and going out into the civilian community and getting a job uh, with that experience. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely something very useful uh, in today's society. Uh, and in the technical realm, right? Um, yeah, it's also very highly prized. I, I, the last time that I checked, there was a projected shortage of over a million IT professionals across the uh, well across the globe, and that was uh, in 2021. So I'm pretty sure that 
the geeks have not changed. As a matter of fact, I'm very sure that they've increased and just because of the, of the need. And IT professionals are and continue to will be uh, in high demand. No, fully agree, right? I think that's uh, one of the beauties of this industry uh, and our mission set specifically is that there's a lot of cor- correlations uh, that can be made with uh, industry. Yet, uh, when it comes to the military side of the house, the mission set that we have, uh, the uniqueness of that and the effort that you make uh, to get after our enemies help uh, balance and give you something you won't see in industry. So we've talked a little bit about training and development from a skill set perspective. What else do you specifically do as a unit to develop your members? Well, I think the... Uh, one of the things that everybody would say whenever I first came into the unit was my mantra was getting us back into operations. And part and parcel to that was developing our people, primarily because we have uh, five full-time AGRs that we, well, we have authorization for five full-time folks. And that is a lot of work for a pretty minimal uh, amount of AGRs. So we had to make use of just about everybody's skills and capabilities and really lean back on our TR workforce on uh, getting some of those things accomplished that we just needed to accomplish as an organization to survive, really. So part of what I implemented was I asked leaders to be leaders and supervisors to be supervisors, and then for individuals to assume a greater deal of responsibility for their own uh, upkeep and welfare. So that means that, you know, folks who are, coming due for their IMR, they're not waiting for somebody to tell them that it's coming due. They're actually going out and looking at their AC status or their, their medical status and getting things done. Likewise, it's supervisors who are tracking that for their respective individuals. And flight commanders, flight chiefs are also tracking at the, at the uh, upper level for or that particular level for their individuals. And then that leading up to the squadron level, it just allows us to get a better handle on the requirements and getting uh, just making sure that they're accomplished. So I've asked the TRs, especially at the leadership level, to become more involved. And by and large, they have uh, surpassed my expectations. I've been in a couple of units, of course. You know, I've been with the 960 uh, wing for a minute. And I've never seen this level of TR involvement in any of the other organizations that I've been part of. I've had people that, um, since I've given them mantra and more or less the charge to take care of their people and take ownership of their flights, they have taken that and ran with it in ways that I, I just did not expect. Uh, I, I have a significant amount of uh, involvement from them. Uh, they're taking care of things without me asking them to. I, I more or less told them what to do and got out of the way, and they are taking care of business. Copy. So you would say that you guys have a really good culture there, right? Almost like a fam- family atmosphere, as well as a good professional-bound uh, culture. Then, so Chief, I, I would I would greatly say that. I know uh, coming in in the middle or uh, kind of near the end of the the pandemic that we've been going through, I saw a lot of uh, involvement within all of the individuals, even working remote. And then now, since we are starting to come. Uh, back into person, back into our normal, uh, what, what I like to call the new normal, because, you know, everything can change. We are starting to bring back even functions 
and uh, processes that were there in the in the previous. I.e., for example, we have family event coming up that we've already started to plan for because we want to have that uh, that, that morale and that family uh, unison and to bring our uh, our family members um, into the unit as well to get them involved. We've had a lot of changing faces uh, within the past year and a half or so. And so we want to include all of those new family members uh, within the organization as well. Right. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of opportunity there as we come out of this COVID uh, scenario. So that's awesome that you guys are putting together the those group gatherings and, and kind of breaking that bread and, and reestablishing that connection that many of us uh, lost in and feel from uh, the past year and a half and, and COVID. What other kind of events uh, do you guys kind of uh, get after? Do you guys do any exercises uh, or group AT by chance? Yeah, so we do a lot of, uh, like I said before, a lot of my folks and third direction from Colonel Janicki and Colonel Eric has been to get us back into operations. So with the onset of COVID, we lost a lot of our, of our, M, our CMR positions or proficiency, really. Uh, or certifications because people weren't able to access the weapon system. So we've been getting them back into operations. I've been getting them scheduled for classes just to require courses to get their certifications back alive so we can actually start doing operations again. So that, that's been consuming a majority of our time during the uh, UTAs. And then for AT time, we actually have folks that come out as needed really to support operations with the 561st. And I will say that the 561st has been an excellent partner with us. They are very accommodating and very appreciative to have us there. And every time that uh, we sit in front of them, we sit in their admin or operations meetings, they specifically ask us for input on uh, initiatives they have going on, uh, especially with respect to handing some help on this particular day. Or I know that Seamaster and Cogill is working with the operations side to make arrangements for folks to come in and, and work operations on their AT time when there's a, a need on the 564 side. And while, while we don't do like group AT, it is not really uh, conducive to, well, the, the requirement isn't really there at this point in time for us to do group AT at the time. And it, it's more conducive for us to plug in where we're actually needed at a prescribed time. Uh, with the 560 person, that's, that's proven to have a couple of dividends. And like I said earlier, just, they just appreciate having us around and our support we provide. So that TFI, that whole TFI um, relationship is strong then, and you guys have a lot of easy plug and play uh, for orders and AT and, and uh, for uh, keeping up on um, being uh, certified on the weapon system, right? Absolutely, Chief. And also to, to add to uh, what Kunaf uh, had mentioned, so being, uh, being the belly button for all the different exercises that we get involved in, uh, since I landed, uh, since I had boots on ground in November of 20, uh, I've been engaged with the other counterparts that actually manage and uh, create different exercises for, uh, for cyber. Now, unfortunately, volunteers that we have had uh, for different exercises, the exercise themselves ended up getting canceled simply for uh, the fact of COVID. Right. Um, however, we we do have a uh, highly engaged staff that want to participate in different um, weapon system exercises. I.e., there's a there there's exercise that that happens every single year. Cyber flag. Um, we've had individuals interested in that. 
their range itself has been has been having issues. So to ensure that the training for that particular type of event uh, could still occur, one of our staff sergeants actually has created an in-home cyber range, uh, and we're actually looking to push that out to be a formal type of training for our operators as well. Okay, awesome. Um, one of the other unique aspects of your unit is that you guys are sitting right there on the uh, on the gates of uh, Space Force, correct? That's correct. Uh, do you guys see any any interaction currently with uh, their changeover or any uh, opportunities uh, in in support of them by chance? Well, I see some potential for future involvement. Uh, of course, the Space Force gets their feet underneath them and starts really figuring out what they're doing as a separate force. I, I'm anticipating first must be some requirements to come down, as there usually is. You know, anytime that you have a new mission area, people aren't really quite as uh, as the best way to put it. They, they just don't know exactly what it is they don't know. So as they get their feet underneath them, start figuring out, hey, I need to do this to support this mission. That's when the support requests start coming. Gotcha. And, yeah. So there's there's always a potential. Okay. And you follow that uh, as well. So so since we're an enterprise level. You know, we uh, if you look at the Navy network and the Marines fall underneath them, so they have their special needs and their mission sets. So they have their comm slash cyber personnel that they'll have directly supporting that. But as a whole, since we manage the entire uh, AFIN, then we will always continue to support. Uh, we have seen a lot of turnover from our active duty counterpart the 561st just simply because they had they have had a lot of their personnel picked up by space force gotcha no and i understand that i just wanted to know uh, how some of that that relationship looked like right um where is some of that cross utilization might occur um what opportunities are going there right um you know kind of do you see any what do you see as the future for your unit well, that's an excellent question that we were discussing. I think that we're going to have a potential uh, focus on some specific areas that we're currently performing. Some areas may actually go to other units and will retain uh, and expand upon specific areas. Um, so that that's still in, you know, I will say it's in draft. It's, in, I, it's not even reached IOC just yet, but I think we're headed that direction fairly quickly. Gotcha. But, Okay. Bottom line is, I think there's going to be a lot that uh, we're going to be asked to do. And, um, you know, as soon as the ask comes from the active duty, we'll just have to be prepared to step up and meet the demand. Right. Yes. Yeah, cyber is ever, its pace is just crazy, right? Um, it's ever changing. And uh, we have to be very flexible. And I know when it comes to the reserves, uh, and sometimes that, that, that kind of leads to its own problem set of, of keeping up with that speed. What uh, what kind of advice do you guys give as leadership teams to your airmen in uh, in these situations where we're asking our airmen to be agile, to be flexible, uh, and roll with the punches? You know, um, with the mission set and some of the changes. Well, I think a large part of that is just keeping them involved in the discussion and communicating what changes are coming down. So we're not necessarily giving them advice, other than they. Uh, this is this is how cyber is. It's the career field. It is an excellent career field to be in. It's always in demand. You're never going to be without a job unless you know, there's some significant event in the world that I'm just not tracking on right now. And then it just it's just the way that cyber is. 
So we just have to roll with punches, be flexible, and adapt to whatever really comes down the pipe. Right, Chief, and as uh, I mentioned earlier, so I like to use the term new now rather than the new norm because what could be uh, is the now now, it could change drastically tomorrow. And as you mentioned, we, we see that in cyber on a regular basis. No, definitely. That's definitely a, a good catch right there, the new now versus uh, the new norm, um, because I think the norm now is change, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, awesome. Well, it seems like we've really kind of captured uh, what your uh, what your unit has. Uh, any parting words for your fellow gladiators? Any uh, last pitches of why you guys are the best uh, unit out there? Well, I'll say that our, our unit is the best because of the people that we have, bottom line. Uh, you know, I've been to lots of different uh, bases, lots of different uh, organizations, and generally speaking, everybody in the Air Force is roughly the same, just really good people that are really interested in making sure that the mission goes across. I have not had uh, anybody that has uh, more or less given me a, a vibe that say, hey, I, I just don't want to be here. I don't want to affect the mission. It's everybody working together to generate the effects that, that uh, their, the specific missionaries require. It's really good people. Uh, I just seem to have a lot of really good people here, and it's a lot of really good people in uh, the same place at the right time to just take us where we need to go next. Roger that. So, I will uh, I will count people all day long. Awesome. No, gentlemen, I really do appreciate your time. Um, please uh, send my regards to your team. Uh, tell them thank you on my behalf for all of the uh, dedication that they uh, they show, um, the pride in the, the mission, uh, the pride in wearing this uniform, um, and the excellent work that they do as cyber warriors. With that said, gladiators, I uh, hope you guys are having a great day. Uh, thank you for your service. Thank you for your commitment, your dedication, uh, being excellent cyber warriors. And remember, let's stab our enemies in the face through cyberspace. 